today, turn with me to the book of Jude. The book of Jude. And don't ask me what chapter, because there's only one. The, the book of Jude. Today we are going to talk about faith for the future. Isn't it interesting that what God had given me already before any of this stuff had unfolded? Faith for the future. One of our core values here at Generation Church is, and you get 10 points if you know this, faith is our response. I'm just going to just keep from it being awkward in here. Faith is our response. You may not know this, but our core values are plastered up on that wall. This is not decoration. It's our values. It's what drives us. Okay? There's seven of them. You need, as you walk out of the church today, look up to the left on the wall and say, oh, those are the very things that, is, that are driving our church. And one of them is this. Faith is our response. And so today I want to talk to you just for a few minutes about faith for the future. Faith for the, how many of you need faith for the future? You need future grace. You, 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 not just for today, but for tomorrow, for the next day. And, and you need faith not just for when times are good, but for when things begin to press on you. How many of you have been pressed before? And you know that it's easy to have faith and sing, oh, praise the name of the Lord our God up in here, up in this room. But when you go home and something happens and the job is lost and, and things begin to really get tight around you and you're not sure why certain things have happened. And if you were God, you would have done it differently. How many of you would have done some things differently if you were God? And some of y'all are looking to see if there's any job openings in the Trinity. Well, there's not. It's closed. All right. So you're not God. I'm not God. And God is God has a way of of moving us and molding us and strengthening us even through difficult times. And ultimately what he wants from you and from me is to, is to have faith be our response in the mud or on the mountaintop. You with me? All right, let's go there. Jude, Jude in verse 1, briefly, I just want to point something out to you. Um, in Jude chapter 1, it says, Jude, a servant of Christ, brother of James, to those who are... Called, beloved, in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. Now, this is the first verse. May, and then the second one, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Then you go to the last verse, and it says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Now, I want to ask you, who is doing the keeping in this verse? Now to him who is able to keep you, who is him? This is God speaking. He's saying this. I want you to catch this. He's talking about faith in, in the first two verses. And in the last two verses, um, what we see here is that the verbs are passive. In other words, God is doing the calling. God is doing the keeping. God loves. Then, actually, in verse 20, he says, But you, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. And so we see in verse 20, and then also in verse 3, Hang with me, I'm going somewhere. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write, to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Interesting, and then we're going to move to the Old Testament. I want to illustrate this to you. What is Jude, what, what, what's happening here? He's, he's got these two bookends, and he's saying that God will keep you. God is going to be the provider for you. God is loving you. He's the one doing it. 
Okay, it's not, your, it's not you striving towards this in your own strength. God does it for you. But in, sandwiched in the middle of this short book, the writer tells us to contend for the faith. He says, build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Build yourself up. Contend for the faith. Contend literally means to struggle. It means to fight. It means to put attention on. It's interesting because he wants to make sure we know that we are fighting in the grace of God and in the strength of God, but he does not want us to be passive as it relates to our faith. You will need faith for this journey that God has you on. Oh, but you don't know, man. It, three years ago, let me tell you about this experience I had down at church. And, man, the Holy Spirit went all over me. And, I did this, and, and man, revival broke out. So I think I'm good. No, maybe you were good then, but how are you now? Are you depending on yesterday's miracle for today's provision? God moved in a certain way yesterday. He may not be moving that way today. And we've got to understand that to contend for the faith, for you and I, this, I'm, all about, I'm all about making it, okay? Listen, I'm not in to see how much we can accomplish in one year and just like drop these big, massive, just, oh, we just want billboards everywhere, just one year, just, no, 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 because I'm here for the long run. I want to be 65 passing, 70 passing off the baton to someone else. Generation Church still around and making a difference and seeing lives change. I'm in this thing until the end. But you can better believe from now until that point, there's going to be some trials. There's going to be some struggles. There's going to be some pressure pressing us down. And we are going to need faith for that journey. It's not enough for you to depend on what God did last Sunday in church. You with me? Oh, man, Holy Spirit moved so powerfully. I just was so encouraged last week. How are you today? Oh, man, I was saved when I was 27. I said the prayer, and I went down, signed the car and everything. I'm good to go. Okay, but where are you at today? We need faith today. Amen? All right, I want you to turn with me to 1 Kings. I want to illustrate this story of Elijah. 1 Kings 17. 1 Kings 17. 1 Kings is actually before 2 Kings. 1 Kings, 1 Kings 17. I want to tell you about Elijah. And here's why I want to tell you about Elijah. Because as a leader, as a pastor, I love to, to, to study men and women of the Bible who did amazing things. And I love to study them. And if we're not careful, what we can do is we can only camp out on the stories where they did the great things. And we, and we miss out on what it was that led them to that place. You know, I've talked about Gideon before. And I've talked about how Gideon, he did these great things. God called him a mighty man of valor. And yet if we see early on, he was a coward. And we look at Joshua, and I want to study Joshua. He led the children of Israel into the promised land. We love to talk about Jericho and, and the walls of Jericho come, you know, coming down, and that makes for a great sermon. I could preach that right now, and y'all be shouting. But I want to know what was Joshua doing before he was in the spotlight. I want to know what got him to the place that he was, and the same is true for Elijah. When we look at Elijah, we see that, you know, if, if you know anything about him, you, you probably know that he's the guy who defeated 450 prophets of Baal by himself. 
I'm talking about the, just the Lord rose up in him, and he said, I'm calling out everybody. I'm talking about you just get them all and bring them here. I'm going to drop every one. I don't know how you had 203. It doesn't matter to me. 450, let's go. This is what Elijah did. Called them all out and defeated every single one of them, one person, under the power of the Holy Spirit. He confronted the most evil king. Confronted Ahab and his wife Jezebel and this whole thing that unfolds. And, and then to top it all off, Elijah didn't even die. God just said, okay, you've done enough. Come on up here. And a whirlwind just, just took him on up. I'm like, how many of you would like to go that way? God just said, come on. Just come on up. This is Elijah. And so we have this. This great story of this man, Elijah, and, and Elijah is, uh, uh, you know, at the beginning of his life, I want to really see what it was that brought him to the place of confronting the 450 bales. And so we're, we're going to pick it up in chapter 17 and verse 1, and this is when Elijah first hits the stage. It says this, now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, that's a lot right there. As the, as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall neither be dew nor rain these years except by my word. Then, and the word of the Lord came to him, Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself in the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. So now he's giving Elijah instructions. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. It's a good deal. And so he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith, that is, east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. Elijah is the first person to ever eat a sandwich. And it came from some ravens, bread and meat. That's, this is the first sandwich ever recorded in history right here. And he drank from the brook. And after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land, faith for the future. Would you pray briefly with me just for a second? Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are. Ultimately, today, I pray that you would speak through me and teach through me, minister to your people today, and encourage us, all of us, build us up in our most holy faith. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Here we see Elijah giving some instructions. There's a famine because the people of Israel had turned and started serving idols. And so God sends Elijah to deal with them. And it's interesting because when you think of the process that Elijah took, you see, ultimately God wanted to, to use Elijah to do some amazing things. I'm talking about when you stare down 450 uh, prophets of Baal and, you, and just righteous anger, just, just call them all out. I mean, to get to that place, you don't just wake up one day and be like, you know what? I think I'm about to go call out all the prophets of Baal. No, there's a process to get you to that place. And all of us are in process of growing in our faith. All of us are. Every season, every circumstance, every trial, every problem, here's what I want us to go home with today. Every season we face, we trust the word and the promises of God, and we allow faith to be our response. Things are good for you, I got faith in who God is and what he's said. Things are bad for you, I got faith in who God is and what he said. Lies are coming your way, I got faith in what God has already said. 
This is what we need to build into our lives and into our church. I just want to give you four things that I think will help us make faith our response in any situation. Are you ready to go there? All right. Two people are ready. Verse 3 says this, Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I've commanded ravens to feed you there. Now, this is interesting, and here's, here's number one that we need to understand about the ways that God provides for us. God's provision is both natural and supernatural. God leads us in both natural ways and supernatural ways. And we need to know that. Why am I even bringing this up? Because I find in the body of Christ, we are so quick to run all the way to one extreme. You ever met those people who everything is spiritual? Come on. Everything is either, is either a demon or, or, or you got to fast and pray because, you know, just everything is spiritual. And then over here you've got those people who, who nothing is spiritual. And ultimately you're not even going to pray for anybody because you're just like, well, if God wants them healed, they'll just be healed. And so I'm, I'm saying for us we need to realize that that God operates, he moves, and he, and he leads, and he provides in supernatural ways and natural ways. Very, very supernatural to have a raven service, bring, you know, Uber eat you some sandwiches. Seriously, he's, he's camped out by the place where God told him to go. First of all, let me say this. God told Elijah, I will provide for you at the brook. So step number one, the provision was only at the brook. See, some of y'all are, are rebuking, rebuking demons when you're actually just out of the will of God. And so your problem is not that God is leading you through something. It's that your own disobedience has got you in trouble. And you're rebuking demons, and God's like, I just wish you'd get right. I wish you'd just get right. And so God says, I'll provide for you at the brook. you got to go to the brook. If you go to somewhere else because you're like, well, I just don't, I've been there before, and I'm kind of, you know, I don't really like the way it flows too much, and I like this one better. No provision for you here. Your provision will run dry. Here, God says, I got you. You go there, and I got you. So I want to talk about this interesting way because he goes to this place, and God begins to provide very supernaturally through the ravens. And then very naturally through the, the, the brook that's flowing to give, him, to give him water. I was thinking about this, about how there are people who, some people are just over-spiritual. You ever, you ever you know, talk to people who, who, you know, oh, my car broke down. And they just start just, just cursing demons. I just bind the spirit right now of the broken down car and plead the blood of Jesus. I'm going to call my pastor too. Pastor, I need you to agree with me and go on a three-day fast that we can rebuke this demon that has come into my car and caused me to break down. Okay. When's the last time you got your oil changed? Um, it's been a long time. So, so it may be not a demon. Maybe you're just not taking care of your car. You with me? Maybe you just need an oil changed. Spending all that time rebuking demons and, go, and, and you just need to get an oil. You just need to go to Jiffy Lube. You with me today? My point is this, and, and, and my point is this. We can 
We can over-spiritualize everything and minimize natural obedience. You can minimize just getting up and doing what God said and receiving things that are very natural. You get a paycheck from a company, but it could, be, it could seem very natural, but that's a supernatural provision coming in a natural way. I've had people say, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm hurting financially right now. Well, do you have a job? No, I don't. Are you looking for a job? Well, I'm waiting on God to give me one. Okay. Have you put some applications out there? No, I just feel like that would be a lack of faith because I just believe God wants to just give me the very best job. And what we need to realize is that his method of bringing provision to you could be that on your 17th application, the right one went to the top, and God begins to provide for you. But you put one in and think, well, God must not want me to have a job right now. God provides in very natural ways, but God provides in very supernatural ways. Let me say this, though. God is still in the miracle-working business. God is still in the miracle-working. It's almost on, a, on a, at least a weekly basis that, that we hear or see of some miracle, something that can only be described as that was God. And I want to say this. There should be things in this church and in your life that can only be described as God did that. I, there's no way else you could even, you know. Listen, if everything we do can be boiled down to something that we did, then we don't need God. We don't need God. If we can put on a good show for you and encourage you and have everything ready for you and have the coffee warm for you and, and no real life change, no real miracles are taking place, what do we need God for? And so we need to know this, that God still works miracles. And God still operates through the natural. You hear that? Sometimes, sometimes, I feel like I need to linger here just for one second. Sometimes we praise God for the supernatural miracles, but we overlook and we take for granted the natural miracles, the natural blessings, the natural provision. Lord, I'm just thankful that I got some shoes on today and I got two feet. And I walked to church. I mean, I, I didn't walk to church, but I like walked from the parking lot to the church and I'm, I, there's many things in my life, in your life, that we could overlook and miss getting God glory for those things. God still works miracles today, but don't underestimate natural obedience. Amen? Number two is this. Look at verse 7. After a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Here's number two. Your problem might just be a redirection. Your problem might just be a redirection. Listen, God told him, go to the brook because I'm going to provide for you. That was a word from the Lord. And at that time, in that season, God provided the water that he needed. But there came a time when the brook dried up. The brook dried up. And he had a choice to make. Am I going to stand here? and either rebuke uh, the, the dried brook and just wait for God to bring water again and just hold on to this. This is what religion would say to do. 
camp out and have church by the dry river. You know how many churches today? Oh, boy. You know how many churches are having church by the dry river? Celebrating what God used to do? You know how many buildings today that are multi-million that are paid off that could seat a thousand people, have 20 people gathering there, holding on to what God did 40 years ago? Not understanding that the dried brook was meant to redirect them, but they want to stay and celebrate the used to? Oh, I pray that never happens to us. I pray we never begin to say, oh, man, you know what? God, did you see what God did three weeks ago in this place? And here's what we tend to do as, as just normal people. We tend to say, okay, what were the songs we sang? Okay, <clears throat> what time was it? And how were the lights when that move of God happened? And how can we recreate that and play the same set and have the same? And I can come up here and I can, I can memorize what I said three weeks ago. And I can say the same thing to try to reproduce what happened three weeks ago. We're standing by a dry brook. And our problem may just be a redirection. Our problem may be a redirection. Only when faith is tested can it be strengthened. Only when faith is tested can it be strengthened. In other words, if, if God had just kept providing for Elijah and Uber Eats kept flying in and, and the water kept going, he would have never made it to the prophets of Baal. He would have never made it to this place to begin to really do what God had called him to do because he'd be just stuck there, you know, fat and happy, just eating and just drinking. I don't need to go anywhere. And God would be speaking to him, and he'd be like, ah, oh, that's not God because I got water here. And so many times God dries the brook to get our attention to redirect us. meeting with a youth pastor recently and I was burdened by what he said as it relates to people that are hanging out by the dry brook. This is a true story. He said, Stephen, I'm so upset at my church right now. The church was built many, many years ago in a, in a you know, downtown area and um, at the time when it was built, it was a nice area. The neighborhoods around the church were nice. They had a lot of blessing come. They have a nice facility. And they have a basketball court uh, in the back of their church. Over the years, over the last 20 years or so, 20 or 30 years, the neighborhoods around the church have gone down. And, and now they have crime and they have, you know, there's just, it's not the best of area anymore. And the youth pastor said, the good thing about that is, is that I will have sometimes 50 people from the neighborhood come onto the church property to play basketball. But the church leaders got together and they didn't like it because they didn't like the way those people looked. And they didn't like the way that it made their church look to have these kind of people on our property playing basketball. And so I kid you not, this is what the, the leaders did. They put they put no trespassing signs around the church and around the basketball court. No trespassing. Because they didn't want those people. Well, those are the people that Jesus died for. Those are the ones that if Jesus comes back, he's going for those people. He's not going to the people who are your 25 people locked away in your big million dollar building who are just hiding, you know, celebrating the, you know, what God used to do. 
Are you with me today? We need to be ready and willing to move and understand God many times will redirect us through the problems that we face in our life. Elijah's problem led him to his next miracle. His problem led him to his next miracle. Here's the next thing, and I love this part. It says, and then, see, the brook dried up, and then the word of the Lord came to him. I just love that because the word of the Lord didn't come to him before it dried up. So God didn't say, and I wish he would do this sometimes, hey, uh, by the way, Elijah, in like two days, is going to run out. And so what you're going to have to do then, once it runs out, you can just trust me. I, I, I got something else for you. And he didn't do that. He waited until it, it was dry. Like it was dry. Then the word of the Lord came. And I was thinking as I was reading that this week, many times we are too busy complaining when things go wrong. And those are the very moments God is speaking the loudest. God's trying to get your attention, but he can't get your attention because you're too busy complaining about your problem. And he's speaking to you, and he's saying, if you would just stop complaining, and if you would start praising, and if you would get your eyes on me, I got something to tell you that has to do with your next. Oh, I know the brook is dry, but I never created that brook to sustain you for your whole life. I got something better for you. But you can't hear me because you're complaining too much. I'm just being honest today because it hits me too. Because it hits me too. Man, listen, when things start Weighing our natural temptation is to start complaining. And many times for me, it's not until the rebuke comes when the Lord lovingly comes to me and says, stop complaining. Start praising me. I've got your back. I'm with you. I led you this far. You think I'm going to quit on you now? I got you, son. Get yourself up and quit complaining. I'm for you. If I'm for you, who can be against you? Woo! I'm encouraging myself right now. God speaks the loudest through your problems. God speaks the loudest through your problems. Your problem might be a redirection. And here's the last one. Verse 8, we're going to finish this story out and see what happens with this widow and his next assignment. It says this, the word of the Lord came to him, arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I've commanded a widow there to feed you, a widow there to feed you. And so he rose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Uh, keep in mind, this is famine and this is drought. And he's calling her out and like, I need what you got. And verse 12 says, and she said, whoa, 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 whoa. As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Times were tough. Verse 13, and Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward, make something for yourself and for your son. I just love that. Because Elijah basically told her, 
I know that's all you got left. And your final meal of your life is to take the scraps that you got and to go cook that little biscuit. And you and your son are going to eat that and die. But wait, 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 wait. I need you to go and do that, make the biscuit, but I need halfsies. I need you to break the first part of it and give it to me. I need the best with the bigger part, and y'all can have the rest. This is the instructions that Elijah gave to her. Why is this important? Because she now has a decision to make. Because then he goes on to say, as you do that, the Lord will provide for you, and you will not run dry. Your oil will not run out. However, here's my, my last point. The last point is this, your miracle comes through what you have, not what you've lost. It comes through what you have left, what you have, not what you've lost. We get so focused on things that we've lost. Oh my goodness, the devil has stolen this from me. Oh my goodness, I've had seasons of this and I've lost this and and I don't know what I'm going to do here. And, And God is saying to somebody today, if you would get your eyes off of what you lost and onto what you have, he'll work a miracle through what you have if you'll give it to him. If you'll give it to him, if you'll trust him with it, it's not easy. It's not easy. But listen, it wasn't until she poured out that God poured in. As she began to pour the little bit of oil that she had, she poured it just like the illustration that I gave last week with the water. As she began to trust God and pour that oil out, God poured right back in and she never had it go dry. But it took her faith to say, I'm going to give what I have. I'm going to trust you with what I have. Oh, even if it's just a little bit, it's enough. I got to tell you this. I heard, I heard I'm going to just read it the way T.D. Jake said it because he said it a whole lot better than me. There's a little clip I saw a few weeks ago. This is what he said. He said, the miracle talking about the widow was not in what she had lost but in what she had left it doesn't matter what you've lost what matters is what you have left stop grieving over what you've lost because if you needed it you wouldn't have lost it if it's only a little bit of oil it's enough it's enough and what, as I'm reading this this week and as I'm praying through everything that's going on and all these things, God is bringing me back and asking me the question, Stephen, who's your source? Who's your source? Are you trusting in the little bit of oil that you have? Or are you trusting that if you give it to me, I can do a whole lot with it? I can do a whole lot with it. And I got really convicted. I'm just sharing my heart with you. Uh, um, you know, because this whole thing with the building and, and, and thinking like, okay, well, we can, we can afford this. We can afford the note, but we don't have the, the 400000 down payment. And, 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 then, and then what ifs start coming in? You've you been there before? Oh, but then what if this happens? And why did this happen? And why did he call? And what, you know, I, and, and before long, you're, you're just playing the what if game. And, man, you're just like running that thing. And you're just stressed out. And when I pause long enough to actually hear what God has to say, it's simple. He just says, who's your source? Who is your, who has your back? Who are you leaning on? Who are you depending on? He said, oh, you can depend on me when you stand up there to preach. You can't depend on me now. You don't believe that I got your back. And I I need to say that to some of you guys today who are going through some difficult things. And you've been asking why. And you've been asking God why is this happening to me? Why did you allow this to take place? Now, if I was God, I wouldn't have done it this way. I think you should do this. I think you should do it this way. And God is saying, 
who's your source? I mean, I would go back to my own question to myself. Did that scare God when it went from two to four? Was God panicking in that moment? This is what he told me, and I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't know if I shared this first service or not, but he said, Stephen, today it's 400,000. There's going to be a day when it's going to be millions. You're going to need to trust me for millions. This is not something I'm, it's just, I'm just hearing the Lord. We're in process. And maybe I'm not at a place yet ready to believe for millions. But maybe 400 is where I'm like, God, you got that. And I don't know, maybe next year, maybe two years from now when God's moving and things are happening and we need to expand again, except it's not 400,000 anymore. Maybe it's 2 million, maybe it's 3 million. And I go before the Lord and I say, man, you got me at 400, but we're at 3 million. Is that gonna intimidate God? You follow me. Who's our source? not on me. This is not on you. Matthew chapter 6. I've said this to many people this week. Down here at Wednesday night, our first Wednesday service was ultra full of people encountering God. God gave me Matthew chapter 6 to about three different people. The whole chapter is talking about just having faith. If God can provide for a bird, how much more is he going to provide for you his child, whom he died for. This is no longer, I'm talking about the building, I'm talking about you right now. You who are facing that crazy situation, that financial decision, or man, I, you know, I, I'm getting evicted. I lost my job, those type of situations come. And God's like, don't you worry about that. This is Matthew 6. He says it like eight times. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about where you're going to lay your head. I'm big enough to cover that, God says. I'm big enough to cover that. But he says this in Matthew 6.33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. All what things? Everything you need. Come on. In the moment, it's tough. Trust him for it. I'm going through a difficult time. Let faith be your response. I'm on a mountaintop, man. I got to raise. Let faith be your response. Let praise be your response. Struggling in my family. Let faith be your response. It's just why in just a moment we're going to sing that song. We're going to praise the name of the Lord our God. I love that. When life hits us, we praise. Come on. When life is good to us, we praise. When family stuff is good, we praise. When family stuff is hard, we praise. Praising God changes the atmosphere. Matter of fact, this is what I want to do right now. Just bow your head and close your eyes. Father, I just thank you for who you are. I thank you that I, I just feel faith stirring in the room. 
And, and I feel like in just a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to lift our voice and we're going to declare to some giants that have been staring us down. And we're going to say, oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. And we're going to look back down at our situation. And though it might be tough, we're going to say, God's got that. God's got that. I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to worry. God's big enough to cover that. He can cover that. 